right, and we are back with another episode of JR Takes, and it's it's been a little bit of a rough one here in Seattle over the past, uh, really since September, honestly, since yeah. the Mariners dropped out of, bad of the playoffs. Yeah, and the Kraken are terrible. I don't even, like, have anything to say about that. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the Seahawks, who seemingly are, I guess, would say in the best position of the three, and still we are, like, questioning whether or not we should keep our coach and our GM. So it's like... What? Yeah, it's What's literally <laughs> it's literally been the worst month objectively of the Pete Carroll era Seahawks because mm-hmm. we've lost four in a row for the first time under him as a head coach. And I'm, I think let's be real, we're about to lose five in a row. So probably, but I actually think based on the way teams are playing right now, we we have played a fucked up schedule since yeah. since you know like basically the end of September, beginning of October. It's been nothing. But killers, even the Rams, who throughout the whole offseason, I thought they were going to be a fucking joke this year. But they almost just beat the Ravens in Baltimore. They're legit. And, yeah, they swept us. And I still think we're a better, much more talented team than the Rams. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they they got much better coaching and schemes than us. So we've played a tough schedule. But the Eagles, man, they have not looked that good the last couple of weeks here. And, granted, they're going to be coming in on Monday night looking to get back on track and probably frustrated that they've gotten more or less blown out two weeks in a row. Right. But they look mortal. Mm-hmm. I think I think it is doable, but I guess before we get too ahead of ourselves here into that game, I guess we got to talk about this fucking game in San Francisco, and we didn't even really want to talk about it last week <laughs> for the yeah. most part, but uh, what was your take? Um. So I think... Obviously, it was terrible at the end. The fighting was... It's making me more and more worrisome week after week because probably my least favorite play of that game was when JSN got a flag for... Yeah. And he was just doing the same thing DK was doing. It's like... And then I didn't realize this, but I heard in the radio earlier this week, JSN went up to DK after that play and, like, they shook hands. Like, it's like that's the Seattle way now is to yeah, just and J- fight everyone. JSN's like a kid, man. He's 21. Yeah, and- he's... I remember being 21, and you still pick up a lot on people that are five years older than you. Like, yeah. you still look up to them a great deal. And it's like, well, it's a little bit of a, a worrisome thought. And then you have Pete Carroll this week. I don't know if you heard I his have, responses, but yes. I, it was very alarming to hear I've him. I've never heard Pete Carroll talk like that in 14 fucking years of him being our coach. Right. It's, and, it was kind of jaw-dropping, honestly, to hear him say... When uh, Mike Salk asked him, is your message being received by the players? And Pete Carroll just goes, I don't know. Ask them. Next. Yeah. When have you ever heard Pete Carroll talk like that? Never. Um, So I guess sense of urgency, I don't know if we're past that, but it has to be now or never. And the jobs are on the line, I think, for maybe the whole staff. I mean, I don't really know how the ownership and Pete and John's – I don't know how that's going right now, but it's we can only we really can never tell know. so much from the outside. Yeah. E- even those on the inside never really know that much. You know, there was all sorts of leaks and rumors throughout the Russell Wilson years, and some of them turned out to be true, but a lot of them didn't. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say. But I'm I'm the way this season is really kind of falling apart, and you know, we'll get to the details of the game in a minute here. But it's it's becoming increasingly difficult for me to figure out if like is this on the coaching staff 
or is this on the players? Because to be blunt, a lot of our players are just acting like fucking punks out there with huge undeserved egos. I agree. And it's pissing me off. And I don't blame, you know, fucking Shane Waldron for that. I blame him for other things, but not for that. I don't really blame Clint Hurt for, like, our defensive ends getting out blocked by a fucking wide receiver. Like, Daryl Taylor. Taylor. Are you is... kidding me? Yeah. He's gone. I want nothing to do with that player anymore. And Jamal, we didn't really touch on his comments last week too much on the previous podcast, but what do you root for in this guy now? He's a verifiable dickhead. Him to be cut. That's what I root for. Yeah, I, I think we need to cut <laughs> our losses there. And all in all, Quandre's been a really good player for us, but I just, I'm sometimes I really question his effort, you know, especially on the play where. Debo got that deep. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Jamal was fucking jogging like, oh. He, he like, yeah, when he t- when he turns, when, when George Kittle makes the turn and uh, Quandre has oh, to that sh- play switch too. directions. Is that not the play you're talking about? Well, both plays. Well, I wasn't way, thinking of that one. Either way, I that was like, the that seemed like the season in a nutshell. Right you would there. have never seen Earl Thomas do that. No, no, never. And, and granted, we're talking, Earl Thomas is... Probably the top three greatest safety I've ever watched. You know, it was wasn't for a really long time, but he he's a tough guy to compare to. Mm-hmm. But still, the I'm okay if you fuck up here and there, but I don't ever want to see you not put in the effort because that's really what like fifty percent of defense is. And I I feel like we saw a lot of this in this game in the last a, a lot of games this season is. You know, our our defense, like, you got a guy right there, he just misses the tackle. And, you know, there's there's moments in the game, like, why are we why are we having Jamal Adams cover Debo Samuel 30 yards downfield in the first place? Like, that's dumb. But still, why is Jamal standing flat-footed watching, you know, arguably their most dangerous receiver just come running at him and not reacting until he's already five yards past him? Like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I certainly no no love for Jamal. That, that's pretty much all been lost, mostly due to the thing that he said uh, over Instagram or social media or whatever it was. What did he say again? He commented yikes to this picture of this reporter with his wife, <laughs> implying that he thought, <laughs> implying that he you know thought his the reporter's wife was ugly or whatever. But it's just oh, it's just not a good look. No, know? it's embarrassing, and it like no if class. yeah, it's like I, I don't know. I I guess when I was listening to the radio and the whatever this past week, it does seem like like none of these none of our players are putting the team before themselves, and mm. that is like the biggest thing I see from Jamal Adams is like he has always like I'm the best in the nation like no you aren't you suck he walks around with so much swagger everywhere and it's like dude you haven't got a fucking sack since covid bro and and like, I know I know there's a bunch of little kids screaming at these guys when we when we go to the practice and spring training training or uh, training camp camp but I remember like when we were trying to like like you'd be like yo what up Jamal he was like I got this vibe of like I'm not gonna I'm not going to acknowledge you. I don't know. Like, the other players were talking to us. They were being cool. but he Colby was, Parkinson was chill. Yeah, and, and he just, I'd have a like, beer with that guy. Acted like we didn't exist, which it's fine. Like, I've, I've that's happened to me before with pro athletes. I don't expect them to 
everyone to bet. I just yeah. got a vibe, you know, and it like thinking back on that. Oh yeah, that made sense. Why that was like, oh okay, uh, because he's seems like kind of a dick. So yeah, I just man, I feel like there's just a lack of accountability in leadership in this locker room. Yeah, and that's something I don't know if you listened to the KJ Wright show yesterday or today. Yes. It was something he brought up too, and it's it's something I've been feeling with this team you know i want to go all the way back to the preseason of 2022 when we played the bears and i remember oh yes we, we just came out and shat our pants against the team that ended up with the number one pick that season yeah granted it was preseason but it was horrific that was a terrible game and i remember watching our players up close as they're going into the locker room and they're just laughing like they don't really seem like they give a shit and i know it's preseason but we have this standard here as Seattle fans, rightly or otherwise, of we have witnessed one of the greatest teams and greatest eras of sports and football right. with the Legion of Beam, Legion of Beam, Legion of Boom. <laughs> and you would have never seen the demeanor of our guys look like that if, if we were, you know, getting our butt kicked at home. You would have never seen that. And Russell Wilson. You know, he's a lot of things, but you can't tell me that guy wasn't a great leader. When did you ever see Russell Wilson with a big smile on his face when we were getting our ass whooped? When, in fact, when did you ever see him with a big smile on his face when we were kicking ass? No. Almost never. Yeah, because he was, he was always locked in. And, yeah. like, you could say, like, he's probably annoying as hell to be around in those moments, but, I mean, that's gotta, you know, maybe inspire is not the right word, but it's gotta be uh, infectious at a certain point. And,. Also, believes. yeah, mean, as like cliche as that is. It's- well, and I, I mean, you could you could see it in the way he plays. And the guy is already top 10 all time in fourth quarter comebacks in NFL history. So there's something to that. And it, Tom I- Brady was the same kind of way. You, you, you need to have a guy like that. And, you know, I, I uh, we'll get more into the game in a second here. And because uh, I was about to start talking about Gino and, you know, the disparity of having him versus not having him. But um I just feel like we don't have that presence. You know, I thought Bobby would I've be... always felt that way about Gino specifically. I've always sorry to cut you off, but Oh no, you're I've kidding. always felt like um Russell had an it factor. Uh he uh, Russell never like like you never lost hope with Russ, even in the Packer game. That's why we won that game. Yeah, you because never he always believed. You and never it, turned a game off while he was starting. Say what you want about his um, him being a robot, emotionless. Like that can warrant success in this league. Not letting your emotions get the best of you, and we're seeing our team just completely fall apart at week after week. It seems just like folding like a lawn chair. And, yeah. And so another yeah. thing is. And this was also brought up, and I hate to just mirror other people's sentiments, but it's, again, something I've noticed this whole season. We are not fucking physical, man. Our line gets its ass beat in the run game week after week. It's been since the Bengals game. Like, I think we have really good running backs, but they're just running into a defensive lineman almost immediately every play. So I I know we've been trying to kind of restructure things for a more modern offense that's pass-heavy, and I like that, but I don't know. There's there's something to be said for just having an identity. And I feel like both sides of the ball with this team, we don't really know what we want to be or do. And we just have a bunch of really talented athletes right, acting like individuals. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you could have said it any better. 
um, I again going back to the the Pete Carroll and the undisciplined football. I mean, a, a couple weeks ago during the Cowboy game, yeah, those were egregious penalties, and uh, we'll talk get to Patrick Mahomes a little bit later. But oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they they happened. Yeah. So and they're and then the following week we get into a fight and DK gets ejected. So it's like what I'm seeing is undisciplined football and it something's got to change and uh like you said you hate to you know piggyback off what other people saying but KJ Wright even said this week he was like he Pete Carroll needs to come with the hammer. And it sounds like he is with the way he's talking to Yeah. Well, reporters. I want him to like I yeah. want him to like fucking bench Jamal yeah yeah me too like just to send a message that hey you guys can't you know it's one thing to talk shit if you're winning but if you're just looking like a punk out there losing and getting your ass beat that looks terrible on a multitude of levels and we should we can't stand for that that's not what this franchise this culture this locker room stands for yeah so just I, I think this whole conversation is kind of a microcosm of this game because to be real, for about three and a half quarters, it looked like we could have won this game. We were down twenty-one to sixteen at the end of the third quarter, and that's why I said, "I know you got. I know. I know we were uh, like all in bad mood, so like we were snapping at each other about Gino, fucking Drew Locke, who would have been better in the situation." But I really thought G- Drew Locke. I didn't think he played an amazing game, but he played good enough against the best team in the NFL yeah. to give us a chance to possibly win the game. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about Drew for a minute because. That first drive and that touchdown pass that he threw to DK was something else. It was on the money. That was like all of the beautiful things that Drew Locke has in his arsenal on display. I mean, he can get out on the move and make some really nice throws, and he's got a sweet arm. Um, he he did some good things in this game for sure, and you know if he hits one of those deep balls that he tried, he gets that. He has a three hundred yard day against one of the best defenses in the league on the road with right. like two days of practice. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to minimize the good, but to also be real with a little better hands on defense, he throws five picks in this game. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. The, literally, I think on like the first or second drive, there was like two plays in a row where it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, and you see all of the horror of drew lock. I mean, the guy is just such a, roller coaster ride and i i think at this point that's something you're not really going to get out of him but you know i i applaud him for the effort he came out with and i i think he he's the guy you can win with um it's just at 27 it's hard to believe that he's going to become that he's going to change that core of his personality which is to take risks and the bottom like i think the worst thing he did all day honestly was the throw to DK that got intercepted, not not the one that got tipped and right. the fight ensued, but the one before that, he has DK on that play, and mm-hmm. he has more than enough arm. Was that an underthrow? It was an underthrow and thrown way inside when yeah. it, needed, it needed to be as far as he could possibly rip it to the outside shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just a terrible throw. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, Gino's shown a much more consistency with hitting those kind of plays for us. But... Um, Either way, I mean, I don't think Drew was the reason we lost this game. No. The reason we lost it. In, in fact, we didn't really have a running game at all to speak of. So the only offense we got was all Drew. Um, you know, obviously receivers play into that. But the point remains, the defense, man. 
the first play of the game, you're letting Christian McCaffrey just take a simple fucking stretch play 70 yards. That literally, we said we needed to come out and punch this 49ers team in, in the mouth. You know what they did? They ducked and they elbowed us in the fucking chin. No, they went like this. They were like... And then they laughed. <laughs> and then punched us in the face. They were like... Catching the katana. <laughs> <laughs> and just like picked us up by our Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and man, I, I know we've already talked about it at length, but that first play to McCaffrey just exemplified all of the shit discipline that this team has displayed that we've been talking about all season. Because like three guys over-pursued that play. A couple guys just got manhandled by people that shouldn't be manhandling them. And it's like... <laughs> There's no way you can go through an extra long week of practice, extra, extra, and, like, everyone in the fucking planet knows McCaffrey's probably going to get the ball the first play of the game. Yeah. Everyone in the stadium knew that, and that's the best you could do. The only reason why that wasn't a touchdown is because Boye Mafe is one of the only players on our defense that gives a fuck right now. He ha- he had seven sacks in seven straight games, or sack in seven straight games. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, I I felt like that was a real damage control post by the Seahawks <laughs> social media today. It's funny because I saw that and thought that, and then oh, I saw that you had that. They posted me. that today, this yeah. afternoon. They're like, remember? <laughs> remember when we were good? Well, and that, that's another thing with this team is I, I feel like the, the players that I'm most excited about are, are brand new players in the people that I'm the most upset with are a lot of our veterans, like guys that have been here since 2020, 2019 and so on and so forth. So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird place to be in, but yeah, this defense 527 yards. That's just fucking embarrassing. You just gave up 41 points to Dallas. Any good offense we played all year just walks up and down the field. Like they're bored against us. It's ridiculous. So I have no words for them. And with the Witherspoon injury, it's like, if he misses significant time, you might as well just turn to another game when we're on defense because it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. If Witherspoon was in that game, do you think the outcome is different? I think it has a chance to be different because... Yeah, I I agree. He's a playmaker. And I think he is kind of the spark igniter for he's kind our of defense. the glue it seems like like it yeah. and it's weird to say that because he's a rookie but like jesus it seems like the way the veterans talk about him they kind of are surprised by his football iq dude i think devin witherspoon is the most impressive rookie we've had since 2012 to be to be perfectly honest i agree because like uh maybe I've heard... tyler lockett but but the thing is like i feel like devin witherspoon is immediately a leader on this team and Tyler, I think that's something he grew into over time, mm-hmm. but uh, I was listening to a uh, mic'd up or just, you know, whatever audio recording of him during the last 49ers game. And he was saying like, man, why can't we just man they ass up or something like that? And just was like really like frustrated with what was going on on defense, but not in like an, a no, like a crybaby way, but like a, like, what are we doing guys? Like, come on. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just really like to see that, and it's it's obvious that he has a high football IQ because the anticipation he plays with at corner is really something else, especially for a guy that's 22. So um, let's hope he's healthy for this Eagles game because we're going to need him. 
Yeah, and uh, I kind of want to move on to the Eagles game yeah. just because we're crunched for time here. But um, thoughts on – I know we kind of touched on it already, but uh, what do you think the possibilities are of, we, of us coming away with this game with well, a W? So if recent trends continue, this game's going to be a shootout because the Eagles' defense has looked soft as hell for they've They're now. pretty banged up. I think they're secondary – They've gotten a lot of injuries. Yeah, and I, I know, especially in the back end, that's been a weak point for them all season. That That's why they traded for uh, Kevin Byard, or however you say his name, from the Titans. But, yeah, I think we have a better shot against this Eagles team than any game we've played in since the Rams. Mm-hmm. But I really think Geno needs to play because I think he gives us the best chance to win right now. And I really need somebody to, to step up on this defense because – this Eagles team has a really good run game, and we looked really good against the run early on in the year, but we just gave up like nearly 200 yards this last weekend, and it we ha- it hasn't looked it's like been a strength. It's been ever since uh, Uchenna. Uchenna. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that was going to suck. I <sighs> had no idea it could get this bad, but when you can't set the edge on defense, it's like... Well, and Frank Clark is what? Another healthy scratch? I mean, who knows? It's honestly Daryl Taylor, Frank Clark, and Derek Hall. Those guys just cannot defend the run. So I saw a photo of Daryl Taylor next to uh, Leonard Williams, and it made me realize: damn, is Daryl Taylor just too small to make an impact? Like he might be. He's he Leonard Williams is so much. It makes me think we need to draft an edge again for like. (laughs) the fourth out of the last five years and Derek hall is turning into lj collier it's like <laughs> at uh, least it's i mean let's give him i know next I know. year because we, we gotta Boye, give him, we gotta give him time we gotta yeah. give him time boy wasn't doing really anything last year until the end of the year so there's time but yeah no it is not looked, it has not looked good uh, um but i'm gonna i'm gonna say this either we need to win out get to 10 and 7 and beat the NFC South division winner to win a playoff game this year? Because I think we'd all be happy with that. I think we would call this season a success. I would. Yeah. And I think that's totally plausible. I agree. Or I just want us to lose the rest of these fucking games and make some real changes I think, and draft Jaden Daniels. I think if we um, – yeah, I think if we lose – I think we start Gino on Monday. If we lose, start Drew Locke the rest of the season. Yeah, that's whoa. Interesting. I mean, I'm not against it. Why not? I mean, the season's we'd be, over. We'd be six We're testing him out, giving him six more and than eight a, at that point. We'll be giving him more than one game of you know uh, tape to to study on, and I mean, we could learn a lot in f- three games with Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally against that. I just really doubt it's going to happen. While, while Pete Carroll is coach, but yeah. you never know. Uh, prediction? Um, yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Philly wins 27-24. to 24. Okay. It's another close game. I'm going to say the final score is 33-31. to 31. And just to be different, I'm going to say we win. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? We could get lucky. We could. I mean, we played good against Dallas the whole game. We played good for three quarters against the Niners. We could play good for four quarters. Against... I think we have a good game in us. It just hasn't happened at all this year. So, so unlucky. I 
I think it'll depend on how Pete handles the week. Mm-hmm. This this is the prove it week. This is the nut up or shut up week. Yeah. Like we've kind of been there for a while now, but this is really it. The only reason why there's even a chance is because no one in the NFC seems to want to go to the playoffs besides like three teams. So <laughs> we still are very much in this playoff race. Almost unfortunately, I would almost a part of me wants to be just put out of my misery. But if we can win this game, man, it could exactly. really it could change things. Too. And I remember in the offseason, I was saying I feel like this Seahawks team could be like the 2011 Giants, where they, there's almost no reason for them to make it in the playoffs, and then they just win the fucking Super Bowl. Like, I feel like that was our most similar path, and you never know. That's basically what they did. They were dog shit a lot of that year, then won a couple games to get into the playoffs, and then went on a run as a wild card. So, it's not impossible, but... If we don't get the job done on Monday night, I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Should we go around the league a little bit? Yeah, let's I'm just pretty do much a, done talking about the the. I said Eagles. all I need to say about that franchise right now, but let's talk about some other ones. So we had a crazy finish, Buffalo and Kansas City on Sunday night, or was it just Sunday afternoon? It was it was Sunday afternoon. Yeah, but the whole world was watching. Yeah, for more or less and unbelievable uh what do you call that play hook and ladder yeah yeah i uh it almost was like a blitz play a little yeah bit. but i think it's the irony i mean everyone that watches football as a fan knows that how funny it is that that patrick mahomes reacted the way he did like over the top towards the refs when they won a super bowl off of a call like that last year yeah not even 12 months ago the guy's a big fucking baby man like I, I kind of have just lost a bit of respect for Patrick Mahomes, and not even just from this game, but in the last like year or so, because it's like every time the guy gets touched, he's like <laughs> to the ref. Anytime any receiver of his gets like his hands slapped, he's just bitching to the refs, and it's like it's fucking pathetic, man. Like, come on. Also, him going up to Josh Allen and being like. That was the worst call I've ever seen. That was that was terrible. The worst Robert call I've ever seen in my life, bro. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I would have been like, okay, you little bitch. I just beat you in your own house. So, I don't know. Shout out to Josh Allen. Yeah. He did. He did say he regrets his words, and it's not well, good. He did because he had to. It's, yeah. It doesn't take away... <laughs> Or Jake from State Farm is going to tear up your contract. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, another crazy game, the Monday night game, that was wild. Yeah. I don't know. Mayo Man. Yeah, the Mayo Man is for real. He marched them. Did you watch the game? I watched all of it besides the end because I was at the gym. Yeah, so I Colby was actually like going downstairs and he was like, oh, how's this game going? And I was like, oh, it's over. I'm just like... There was like four minutes left. And... Uh, the Titans were down by 14, and Will Levis just kept throwing, like, the perfect passes to get his guy out of bounds. So they just marched down the field in, like, 30 seconds. Didn't use any timeouts. They had all three of them still. Scored. Stopped Miami, and then got the ball back, scored again. And then, oh, they, and they went for two. So they would be down by six. Remember how I was saying, when you're down by six, that's almost, like, better. It's better to go for two when you're down by 13. So you can 
possibly be down by six to try and win the game. But if you're down by seven, then you're just going for the tie, right? But if you don't, and now with and the extra you, points being further back, that is kind of shaky at times. <laughs> right, and and uh, when you have uh, I don't know, lost my train of thought here, but um, oh yeah, when you when you have a team that goes for two and doesn't get it, and then you're down by eight, well then you can just go for two again and get it. Great game tied. So. Really, I, I think that there's a really underrated move as a coach to go for two in that situation because it paid off and they had the sense of urgency to get a touchdown and they did. And the Dolphins, I don't know, they look kind of fraudulent week after week. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, they seem kind of like just a, the definition of a finesse team. Yeah. And that has its pros and cons and, you know, I... I always seems like when you get into these colder months those teams just don't perform as well yeah you could even talk about the 2013 denver broncos as an example of that yeah i mean peyton manning older quarterback playing in a cold super bowl things don't always go the way as planned for an offense and, like that. He, and also when he played us in the super bowl granted he just had what is still the greatest season by a quarterback in nfl history but it was very clear even in 2013 Peyton didn't have much arm left and Tua doesn't have much arm at all mm-hmm. so I don't know there, there's weirdly some some decent comparisons there yeah well pretty much got to wrap it up here um, yeah but uh, hopefully we can come out Monday night with a dub uh I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I made my prediction, but yeah, I'm still I'm still gonna hope. I'm I'm not gonna stop hoping, and really until this game. Yeah, then we'll this, much, this this will be we'll pretty much be out of it. If we lose, this will be the last game where I'm gonna watch with any aspiration of playoff or hope <laughs> in in mind because right. I'm about toast, and this is their last chance to to exactly. Yeah. All right, well, uh, yep, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Yep, see you next time. Cool, that was perfect. Yeah, that was a good one.